Okay, our text tonight will be again found in Joshua chapter 24. And tonight we'll uh, finish our study in the book of Joshua. Uh, I was reading today and one interesting observation by one of the old writers uh, was talking about where the place in Scripture that the book of Joshua is found. And it has the... It has the same place in the Old Testament as the book of Acts has in the New Testament. Joshua follows after the five books of Moses and Acts follows the four Gospels. The five books of Moses tell us something of the beginnings of Israel, God's chosen people. And the four Gospels tell us the beginning of the church, also God's chosen people. And both the book of Joshua and the book of Acts show the people of God successfully carrying out the mission that God laid upon them when He set them apart for Himself. And for the people of Israel, that mission was the conquest and the occupation of Canaan, the land of promise. And for the church, the mission was the beginning of the evangelizing of the world. That's what the church is still doing. That's why we still meet together. That's why the gospel is still preached. That's why the sun rose this morning because the Lord yet has sheep to bring into His fold. And when He's done, when He brings the last one, He'll wrap the four corners of this world up and it'll be over. It'll be over as we know it. And then... Real life begins for the believer. We're preaching the gospel to every creature that will listen until Christ saves the last elect and brings all His people home to spiritual Canaan. Okay, Joshua chapter 24, uh, verse 24. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and His voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. So let me tell you again what I hope each of you already know. Every sinner, every sinner that looks to Christ alone for their righteousness and their redemption will be forever saved. And that's the only way that they will be, by looking to Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness. Salvation is not by works of righteousness, the Scripture says, that we've done. <laughs> That's pretty plain. Not by works of righteousness that you've done. And that's great news because we can do no work of righteousness. It's only according to His, Christ's mercy, that He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed, the Scripture says, abundantly. Boy, that's, a, that's a, an encouraging word, isn't it? He sheds this upon his people abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified, how are we justified? By his grace. By his grace. We should be made heirs, made heirs, according to the hope of eternal life, Titus 3, verses 5 through 7. 
Why our redemption is not of ourselves. That's what the scriptures teach. Not by works of righteousness that we have done. Salvation is the gift of God. Paul said, not of works that any man should boast. And then he said, for we are His workmanship. And we are. God's people are. That's why we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves His servants for Christ's sake. 2 Corinthians 4, 5. And I love to say it, so I'll say it again. Salvation is of the Lord. That's where true rest is found, is it not? In knowing that salvation is in His hands. Salvation is by His righteous work. Salvation is by His sovereign work. And uh, we're not under a covenant of works, we're under a covenant of grace. And I I can't, for the life of me, understand why people want to do something to be saved when all that they do falls short of the perfection that God requires. No, I want to stand in the finished work of Christ and what He's done, His perfect righteousness. Okay. The Lord our God, in verse 24, did you notice that the people of Israel said, the Lord our God we will serve. His voice we will obey. But they didn't. (laughs) They didn't. And neither will we unless God in Christ makes a covenant with us. In Joshua, verse 26, and Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law. And notice this. And he took a great stone And he set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Now, what did Joshua write in the book of the law of God? He wrote their promise not to serve other gods. He wrote their oath to serve God and obey his word. Now, Joshua had asked, are you going to bow to the and serve the God of your fathers on the other side of the flood? When God delivered Israel out of Egypt, um, I would say most of them were idol worshipers. Joshua asked, are you going to serve the gods of the Amorites that have already crept into your heart since being in Canaan? And they had. Or are you going to serve the Lord? That's the question of all questions. Are you going to trust in your own righteousness, in your own work? Or are you going to trust in Christ? Well, I can encourage you tonight to trust in His because yours are filthy rags and God won't accept them. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You know, the Lord Jesus said, "If if I do the works of my Father, don't believe me. If I don't do the works of my Father, don't believe me. And in verse 21, the people said, Nay, but we'll serve the Lord. And Joshua said, You are now witnesses against yourselves. We looked at that last time. You're witnesses against yourself if you don't. And they said, We are witnesses. And Joshua wrote these words down in the book of the law and the words of our Lord Jesus are written in this book the Holy Bible, and the commandments of God are recorded here, and we can't keep them. We can't keep them. No 
that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, silenced. And all the world, the whole world, everyone in it, become guilty before God. Silenced and held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's eye by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. That's why God gave the law. God never gave the law for us to keep because we couldn't keep it in order to be saved. And that's why God gave the law, to show us we couldn't keep it to show that us that we're wicked, that uh, we hate the Lord without a cause, just like those husbandmen that we read about in Mark 12. They, they hated the, the master of the vineyard. Did you notice what Joshua immediately did after he wrote in the book of the law? He took a great stone. And he set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Who do you suppose that stone represents? To be reconciled to God, friends, you and I must keep God's law. And you know this, we've got to keep it perfectly. Perfectly. If we disobey in one little part of the law, we're guilty of all the law. That's what James wrote in chapter 2.10 of the book, the epistle that bears his name. For whosoever shall keep the law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. I had a man tell me one time that he only had problem with one of the Ten Commandments. And I don't remember now which one he supposedly had problems with, but I, I can tell you this much. He had trouble with all ten of them, whether he knew it or not. And I quoted him that verse that I just read you there in James, and I said, if you, if you offend the law in one point, you're guilty of the whole law. And he looked at me like, as they say, a cow looks at a new gate or a dog at a new just like he never heard such a thing. You see, beloved, it's all about perfection. God is perfect. God will accept nothing less than perfection. God's holy law demands perfection. You and I cannot deliver what God requires. In order to be saved, we've got to keep all the law. And in order to be reconciled to God, we've got to keep all the law perfectly. To offend in one point is to be guilty of the whole law. To fall short of perfection in any way is to be guilty of the whole law. So even if this man thought that he had only had difficulty with one commandment, one is too many. And he was guilty of the whole law. So it would be hopeless and useless to try to keep the law in order to be saved. Paul wrote, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin. All. Every single one of us here tonight. In this whole world in which we live. All the world under sin. 
that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Do you believe in Christ? Are you trusting in him? But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. And here's why God gave the law. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. I look at the law and see the perfection it was required and I go, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to get to Christ. The law of my schoolmaster to bring me to the Lord Jesus. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith, by believing in Him. And you know, and some folks say, well, see, there you go right there. We got to believe in order to be saved. But friends, we're dead in trespasses and sin. How are we going to believe unless God gives us life? God got to give us life before we can believe. So again, salvations of the Lord. This stone here pictures Christ. God wrote his law on the pages of scripture and we're commanded to keep every single one of them, but we can't. None of us can. And if you think you can, you deceive yourself. The law condemns us. The law is a witness against us. The law makes us a witness against ourselves. We look into the law and we say, oh my, I can't provide what God requires. I need to find someone who can in my room and in my stead. And if you found Christ, you found that one. When a sinner stands before God, they'll have to confess that they fell short of the glory of God and they'll have to take sides with God against themselves. They'll have to be a witness against themselves, but it'll be too late. However, the believing sinner will take sides with God against themselves and testify as a witness that their only hope of redemption, their only hope of salvation, being reconciled to God, is that Christ fulfilled the law perfectly for them. And that's why Jesus Christ is our only righteousness. And that's why my salvation's of the Lord. That's why your salvation is of the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? If there's anyone here tonight that feels as though they've participated or provided any work of righteousness that a perfect, holy, and righteous God of justice will accept, you're sadly mistaken. If you have, then you have a right to glory in yourself and you have a right to boast of your own works. But the scripture says that you're saved by grace through faith and that is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. It's all through this, this book. I don't know how folks can get the idea that they can do something to save themselves. Jesus Christ gets all the glory for our redemption. All of it. Amen. And a child of God wouldn't have it any other way. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name. <laughs> you get all the glory. You did the saving. All I did was the sinning. Verse 27, and Joshua said unto all the people, 
Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. You know, that's the message of every true God-called preacher. Christ, the tried stone, the precious cornerstone, the stone of stumbling, the rock of offense, the sure foundation, the one who the builders rejected, he has become the head of the corner. And the glorious gospel is this. It has not only become a witness unto us, the stone has become a witness for us. How do you plead, sinner? What? I'm guilty. Speak up. And there's a, a voice comes, my advocate speaks, and he said, not guilty. He's not guilty. I died for him. I paid his sin debt. I did for him what he couldn't do. I gave him my perfect righteousness. He's now perfect just like I am. <laughs> How does a, a stone hear all the words that the Lord has spoken unto His people? Because this stone, this rock is Christ. And our Lord's heard and obeyed all the words of the Lord which have been spoken to us in His law. And this stone shall be a witness unto you. And this stone shall be a witness against you. But to those that know the Lord Jesus Christ, this stone shall be a witness for you. Amen. It says, lest or unless you deny your God. Sadly, we've all denied Him. And there's none that doeth good and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Scripture is so clear about our part in this. All of us have what? Gone astray? We've all gone our own way, not God's way, our way. There's none that seeketh after God. We clearly see that man by nature will not have Christ to rule over them. That's what we saw there in Mark chapter 12. The covenant Joshua made with the people of Israel is a picture of the covenant of promise that the Lord has made with His elect people. And the eternal welfare of the chosen sinner is secured by Christ, the solid rock, in whom we find sweet rest in His finished work. You know, I was thinking today, that's become one of my most favorite and delightful topics, the finished work of Christ. And you probably know that because you hear me talk about it a lot. But that's the only place that we can rest when the work's finished. And He finished it for us. What a picture Joshua's life and death is of our redemption in Christ. Joshua finished the work that the Lord gave him to do. And then he died. Uh, if you uh, look there in uh, uh, chapter uh, 24, uh, it tells us just that. I didn't write the verse down, but Joshua died. And when our Lord cried from the cross, it is finished, He gave up the ghost and He committed His Spirit into the hands of His Father 
And the believer's salvation was done. It was finished. Done once and forever. In verse 33, the last verse of the chapter and the last statement in the book of Joshua, we also see the death of Eleazar, Aaron's son, who was the high priest. And he's also a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Eleazar's name means God has helped. Our Lord Jesus is said in Scripture to be the mighty one that God laid help upon. Psalm 89, 19. And on that day that the high priest died, all the manslayers in the cities of refuge who had been in that city of refuge for so long walked out as free men. Men whom the law could no longer touch. It seems that Joseph and Eliezer died very close to the same time, though we're not told. But there's no record anywhere here of Israel mourning their deaths. And I got to thinking about why would they? Why would they? Because their deaths were the cause of celebration. So it is with the believer and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of Christ's death, the law and justice of God have been forever satisfied on the believer's behalf. For the child of God, death's not to be feared. It's to be celebrated. Believer's baptism is just that. It's a celebration of Christ's death. It represents the death and the burial and the resurrection of the one who died, was buried, and rose again for the redemption of His people. The Lord's table. It's a celebration of Christ's death. It brings us into remembrance of Christ's body that was broken and Christ's blood that was shed to provide us that perfect righteousness that we must have to be reconciled to God. Now this being our last study in the book of Joshua, I want to take our remaining time, just a few minutes. I'm not going to keep you long tonight. But I want to take the remaining time and remember how Joshua was a picture and type of our Lord Jesus Christ. First, we see Christ in the name Joshua. Joshua is the Hebrew version of the name Jesus. It simply means Savior. Jehovah is salvation. That's what the word means. Same with Jesus. Same name. Thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sin. He shall. He shall. Matthew one twenty one. Neither is there salvation in any other name, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Joshua. Jesus. Oh, what a name. What a name. There's something about that name. Our Lord's not a Savior based upon a person accepting Him. Our Lord is not a Savior because men believe in Him. Our Lord is a Savior because He has effectually and completely and forever saved all for whom He died. Secondly, Joshua led the people of Israel all the way to the promised land, delivering them from every enemy, 
He did what he said he would do. He said he told told Abraham, "I'm going to give you a land, and your seed. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a land that you didn't that you didn't cultivate. I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. I'm going to give you vineyards and olive yards that you didn't plant. <laughs> I, the Lord, am going to give you these things, and that's what he did. That place." Uh, our Lord, by the means of His own merit, work, and righteousness, and by the sacrifice of Himself, brought all His people, every single one of them, to Emmanuel's land. That place that He's prepared for us. That place where we will for eternity be with Him. Moses couldn't bring the people into the land of promise. The law could never deliver God's people and that it was weak through the flesh. And you know whose flesh that's talking about. It's talking about our flesh. Because the law requires perfection. We can't provide it. So it's weak through the flesh in that sense. But the Lord did what the law could not do. Romans 8, 1-4 There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Free. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son, our Joshua, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You know what that means? Look to Christ. Trust in Christ. Rest in His finished work. Thirdly, Joshua, as the captain of the host, was a mighty conqueror. He overcame every enemy of God's people. And Christ... The captain of our salvation has conquered every enemy against the soul of His elect and He's delivered them from every foe. I had a man tell me not long ago, he said, well, I'm still fighting Satan. I'm like, why? Really? If you belong to Christ, your enemy's defeated. Satan's reserved in everlasting chains until the day God wraps his shoot match up. He's defeated. The same as sin and death and hell and the grave. Defeated. All our enemies are defeated. Our Lord conquered Satan. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you, our Lord said. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man? He's been bound. <laughs> and then he'll spoil his house. John wrote, He that committed sins of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. Why are you fighting the devil? Our Lord Jesus conquered sin, that sin that ruled us since the day of our birth. While we come forth from the womb speaking lies, we don't have to teach our children how to sin. Romans 5 
Verse 12, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who's the figure of him that was to come. That as sin hath reigned in the death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Truly, this is a hymn book, isn't it? It's all about him and what he's done. Our Lord Jesus conquered death and he delivered his people from that which held them in fear and in servitude all the days of their life. Death. So feared by many, the uncertainty. Well, it's not. There's nothing, nothing uncertain about it. It's appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. And you're either going to stand before God in your own filthy righteousness or you're going to stand in God in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Yes, Our Lord conquered death. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, He also Himself likewise took part of the same. He became a man. He became flesh and blood that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You see, friends, the sting of death's been removed by our heavenly Joshua. No need to fear it. Why, if anything, we ought to look forward to it. He says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. What's there, what is there for us to fear about death? Fourthly, all the promises of God to Israel were fulfilled by the hands of Joshua. Paul wrote in Romans 15, 8, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the Father. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, 20, I believe it's 2 Corinthians, maybe 1, all the promises of God, how many? All of them. All the promises of God are in Him, Christ Jesus, yea, and in Him, amen. So be it and let it be so. <laughs> That's what the believer says, isn't it? All the promises of God. I have everything that God has promised me in Christ. Amen. So be it, let it be so. And to the glory of God. To the glory of God. And fifthly, just as Joshua saved Rahab the harlot. Boy, I love the story of Rahab, don't you? Why? Because it's a story about me. And his story about you. He saved Rahab the harlot who in faith and in trust hung that scarlet cord, that precious blood we sung about earlier. Oh my, she hung that in her house in Jericho and our Joshua saved her and all her family. And our Lord Jesus saved His people by His precious blood. Amen. 
John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Did He save the whole world? He saved whosoever believeth in Him. His people in the world, they shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you believe in Christ? Are you trusting in Him tonight for all the blessings of God? If you are, you're, you're a blessed man or woman. You're a blessed man or woman. And lastly, Joshua accepted the Gibeonites when they came with nothing and petitioned His grace and they received it. That's how we come to Christ, with nothing. We, 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 uh, in my hand, no price I bring, simply to the Lord's cross do I claim the, the Christ of the cross. No effectual saving power in the piece of wood. It's all in the one who hung upon it. Yes. You know, I love the pictures and types of Christ. And in the, in the Old Testament, and if you're like Teresa and I, you more than likely have some pictures of your loved ones hanging up in your house. And uh, I love to walk around the house sometimes, just look at those pictures. Uh, not necessarily the ones of me, uh, but I uh, love to look at the ones of my children and my grandchildren and even some friends. Uh, but when our children and our grandchildren, I've told you this before, but it's so true, uh, or even our friends visit our home, I don't look at pictures of them. I look at them. Yes, sir. And I love the pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. That's why we study the Old Testament Scriptures, to see Christ. It's all about Him. Beginning in the book of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms, they're all concerning Him. It's all about Him. Are you looking to Christ? One day very soon, we're going to see Him face to face. Yes, sir. Those that trust in Him, face to face in all His glory. We can't even begin to imagine what that's going to be like. Everything that we do, everything we see, everything, everything is so clouded and tainted with sin. But one day we're going to be without sin. And uh, the scripture says when we see him, then we'll be just like him. We'll have no sin, just perfectly holy and just and righteous without sin. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. There's a now and there's a then. We now see through a glass darkly. But then we'll see him face to face. Well, I'll take then, won't you? Now we only know in part. Then we shall know even as we're known. I'll take the then. Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight, when the clouds be rolled back as a scroll and the trump shall resound and the Lord shall appear. Even so, it is well with my soul. May God be pleased to make it so for God's glory, our good, and for Christ's sake. Okay, Shelley, if you would come, we'll, we'll sing and close in him together.